Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Guardian Mindset Podcast. And as you know, we start all of our our episodes with a quote. And this one, and, and, and Liam doesn't even know this yet, uh, but I pulled a quote from General Montgomery, which is senior British Army officer, and I think it fits him perfectly. General Montgomery said, my own definition of leadership is this the capacity and the will to rally men and women to a common purpose and the character which inspires confidence. And I got to tell you, I've known my next guest for a few years now, interacted with him around the country, and then had the honor of having him come to our Use of Force Summit and present. And I think he's at least two years, maybe three years now. Um, And uh, I got to tell you, I get tremendous feedback about the quality and his ability to to make very difficult things interesting. And so I'd like to introduce you and and welcome Administrative Commander William Liam Dugan. How you doing, Liam? I'm awesome, uh, Eric. I, I appreciate very much the opportunity to sit for a few and chat and and uh, engage uh, with your audience in one way or another. So thanks for having me. I, I know that you're like me, which means we hate when our bios are read. And so I don't want to do that to you, but I definitely want the listeners to know the skill set of the individual on the other end. And so would you, would you tell the listeners a little bit about your law enforcement and professional career? Yeah. I, you know, Cliff's notes version, right? I'm i uh, I'm blessed. And I still say that word and I mean it. I'm blessed to have been in this job as a full-time working cop in Minnesota. Uh, and I'm going on year 25 now. All of it's been in Minnesota here. Uh, spent the first third of my career at just an awesome suburb here in the Twin Cities metro area, Twin Cities being Minneapolis and St. Paul. Uh, second third, I was in uh, the big city as it goes in Minnesota here in the city of uh, St. Paul. And uh, now I'm in that what will probably be the, the last third of my career. I uh, had a command role at another suburb agency here. All those moves were by my choice. I always have to say that. And been just, again, super blessed to have a lot of experience, like like the audience out there, uh, spent a lot of time in SWAT and special operations, um, narcotics and vice training. I've been training or a trainer in one way or another for 20 of those 20 plus years, done task force work and, and leadership roles. And most of my time in one way or another has been as a ground pounder on the street. Although now I, I joke with my coppers, uh, if I wear a uniform, it's because it's more of a costume than, than what the actual uh, hard workers do but hopefully I'm still a part of it. So over those, those years had the chance to, to spend most of my time on the street and seeing how work actually gets done and, and hopefully doing it. And if I've been successful in any of these, these years, including kind of rubbing shoulders with folks like yourself and others at the summit and other places, it's honestly because uh, giants have allowed me to stand on their shoulders. It's not because I've really got those skill sets. And so I have been fortunate to have people invest in me and I'm in that point in my career now where I'm trying to return that favor to those those young bucks and cats and folks that are out there doing God's work, working really hard in a really challenging environment. Um, and if I specialize in an area, it's been kind of use of force and decision-making uh, over the years. And so that's kind of what's got my attention over these last decades. Yeah, and that's how our pro- our paths crossed and, and where we started to interact. And a lot of the individuals that you know, KD and, and, and all those other individuals that you, I got to tell you, I don't know how I thought I'm a busy guy, but you know, <laughs> not only 
are you harassing me to the point where you've convinced me to come out there and teach? But I get emails from you now and like you got a real job and you got side jobs. I'll stop talking because your bosses might be listening, but, 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 uh, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah. You know, you got to keep the mind busy. I retirement will consist of like eight jobs instead of nine jobs. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, well, the best part I love- is I'm going to tell you, why don't you come out to corporate America where you can learn how to work for a living. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Tell my wife, I need one more job. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> no. Well, I think she just got a vacation. So she's, she's happy right now. Right. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks for the, uh, for your SWAT conference. Right. Yeah. I saw you putting out some emails on that. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, like a lot of other States, we have what's, uh, for us, it's called the special operations training association. It's the kind of the five state area of, uh, special operations, SWAT, uh, SWAT medics, that sort of thing. Um, it's a training group that focuses on bringing operators command level, all those folks together to learn, grow, share. We'll have probably about 450 to 500 personnel here, which is awesome. And uh, three days of learning and engaging. We do hands-on classroom debriefs. I appreciate that you're coming out to talk uh, one of our keynotes. We'll have the NTOA out to talk about no-knocks and the Right now, how some of our special operations world in Minnesota is just losing their minds on some things. And we're trying to trying to temper that a little bit. And yeah, a great endeavor. Again, awesome men and women who are so good at what they do and so dedicated that they're starving to see what the path ahead of them is. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because I, I'll be honest with you, I'm coming out to talk and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like, uh, I, you know, everywhere I go in the country, I get to talk about Minnesota. And when you go to Minnesota, what do you talk about? You know, I mean, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't want to get up on stage and talk about, you know, Kim Potter's conviction and Derek Chauvin's conviction and the effect it's had, and then talk about the three officers uh, that were recently convicted in duty to intervene. And, and I, I kind of feel bad for your officers, kind of like piling on to them. And, and, and one of the things I want to let you know and your officers know is that we're all learning from them, um, but they probably didn't sign up for being instructors. They, they, you know. And so what's, what's it like out there nowadays? You know, uh, if I have the opportunity to speak to coppers outside of Minnesota, the first thing I say when I say I'm a cop, I'm a working cop from Minnesota is I, I tell them, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry and you're welcome. For the last two years of hell, it, what it feels like in policing, right? But if you talk to old timers who've been out of the job, they'll talk about the 70s, right? There, there's always a period that you didn't know and didn't work in that was probably worse. But for those of us working right now, this feels like the worst it's ever been. And while historically not true, that doesn't dismiss how deep these awesome men and women are feeling, right? And in Minnesota, and you and I were talking just a bit ago, um, my best analogy is this, in Minnesota, uh, and in policing in general, you never really know what the road ahead of you is. It's always changing, moving, and shaking, and jooking and jiving. Um, but Minnesota feels like you're crossing a cavern on one of those rickety bridges, you know, where you think there's wood planks in front of you, but now the fog has settled on your feet, and you literally you can't tell if the next step is going to be a last one or a solid one. And for the men and women doing this job, the the 99.99% of them who are phenomenal people, all they're asking for is to understand what the rules are and where the boundaries are and how can they work within that. That's all they're asking, and, and which is completely fair. And in this state, 
I'll be very honest. I, I'm not a police apologist in any way, but the most recent decision at the federal level uh, for the three, uh, I'll call them ancillary officers, but that's not how it was seen in the Chauvin case that were found guilty. That shocked me. The decision shocked me. And not because we aren't always trying to do better, but because that decision, that, that court or, or jury's decision essentially solidified that you have to be right. And that is a massively dangerous, and I would actually tell you impossible threshold. And yet, look, there are thousands and thousands of officers in Minnesota and around this country who still stand up and say, I'm still going to do this, yeah. um, which I'm just, I don't even know how to honor that. No, I, I'm with you. I mean, I did, a, as you would expect, I did a good rant on that, that uh, uh, conviction. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, I think it's, uh, you know, I'm with you on that. I think, uh, you know, there, there has to be some, some process for these officers in order to make right decisions. And that, and that kind of leads me into my next topic, which is, you know, this year at the use of force summit, the, the, your, your class was the art and science of decision-making, right? And really that's what we're talking about, right? How do we make the right decisions in the right situations? Can you, can you give a little bit of an overview of what you presented and, and what comes under the topic of the art and science of decision-making? Yeah, absolutely. Decision-making is a learned process, right? No one's born making the best decisions. Your, yours and my brain are designed perfectly for about 15 seconds of cynical survival. We are cynics of the world because if we're not, then we, we miss cues and things, right? But as you grow and you, you you start to realize what manipulation looks like and how do I get this and how do I get that? And and you get older and you get involved in relationships and you start to learn again, what, what are consequences and how can I make better decisions? And then in a profession like ours, you, you are doing the best you can under constantly evolving and changing circumstances. And Oh, by the way, this is human to human. I'm not interacting with a, a drill press, right? That's a pretty darn obvious situation. I'm interacting with another human that is unpredictable. And so to, right, to pursue better, it's the term I always use. How do we get better? My wife reminds me of the, all the time. She's a better human being than I am and trying to help me get there. All how do I are better human beings. <laughs> <laughs> and she's very Let's good at be clear it. About uh, that. <laughs> um, how do you, how do you pursue better? Well, you got to understand what how you make those things in the first place. How does a how does a human brain make decisions? Well, I I have to you know be aware of my surroundings and the context and what information did I have before I had to make the decision and and how do those four chemicals and electricity interact inside my brain and when I'm stressed, right? What does that do? And so the balance is is acknowledging the two sides of the house. A, what's the science behind you? And by the way. Uh, I'm a police officer. I don't make decisions differently than the gangbanger uh, in the middle of the street in the middle of the night. We make decisions the same. It's how we use the information we have differently, right? And that's that's a really important concept to learn on the, the science of it. A human is a human is a human. So how do I understand the science behind it, uh, the biomechanics and all that sort of stuff? And now comes down to that art of it. How do I use my experience or lack of to inform and, as I say, stack the deck. How do I stack the deck up better before I have to make the critical decision so that hopefully an outcome is more ideal, right? Not right or wrong, but more ideal. And so that's what that art and science is, understanding how you work as a human 
And then how do you set yourself up the art side of it uh, to stack the deck better? Um, because until they replace us with robots, uh, there's going to be tragedy at the end of some police citizen outcomes. And even when it's a robot, the robot was programmed by a person. Uh, so good luck, right? My, my question to you is because you and I spend a lot of time on the use of force training in the the difference is I get to talk about concepts and theories and you actually are the rubber meeting the road and teaching the officers all the way down to the app, to the mat about how to deal with it. And, and I think what I see in my expert review of these incidents around the country is a lack of decision-making nowadays. Uh, you know, how many times the guys here, I'll give you an example, Liam, the guys in my office, they yell at me all the time because I'm the old guy now, you know, I watch the videos uh, and I'm watching the videos yelling at the computer screen, like, just make him arrested, like, put him in handcuffs. What are you doing? And Do you have like, white tennis shoes on right now? Yeah, they know. Yeah, tennis shoes. <laughs> I got my sweats, right? Like, but, but uh, you know, uh, the, the issue is how do you how do you take a situation where now all of what happened is directly affecting confidence? which directly yeah. affects decision-making and, and how are you still doing what you do and what is the key area of what you're trying to teach officers that even in these worst times, you got to make a decision. How do you, how do you yeah. train that? Yeah, man, I'm going to be blunt. Right. Uh, and I'm not wearing my new balance tennis shoes just yet. I don't have a tracksuit <laughs> on at the moment, but, uh, but I'm, I'm that same dude. I'm that old guy that, right. I, I, I long, and this is every old dude, right. Or old chick. I long for what it used to be, right? Back on back on a Thursday in the old days, but things are constantly evolving. And I tell coppers this all the time. This is how I start any conversation out with my briefings or anything. There's two sides to this room. One side, the writing on the wall says stay. And on the other side, the writing on the wall says go. If you make the decision tomorrow morning, tomorrow night to show up for shift, you decided to walk onto the side of the room that says stay. I'm staying in this job. You have now accepted the facts and responsibilities of a working environment that's changing. You don't have to stay. You can go to the other side of the road and choose to go. No dishonor in that. I appreciate you, sister, brother, deciding this job isn't for you now. Uh, but if you decide to stay, there's a small degree of suck it up buttercup because <laughs> the world changes and you I have agree. to roll with it. Um, and if you decide to stay, thank you. I'm, I'm so proud of you. Um, now the real work begins because it is changing minute to minute, day to day, second to second, and you've accepted that. So um, now how do we go to work? What do we do? Okay, you know, me as an administrator, I'm, I'm on, in legislative conversations and, and post board rulings and training curriculum developments and all that sort of stuff. And ultimately I'm asking myself, how do I go to the ground pounder? The men and women who are working at three in the morning who still live in mom's basement, because they just got hired yesterday, but they're awesome people. What do I tell them to do? How do I tell them to do it? And some of them are looking for an ABC one, two, three. Here's the rules. And I have to go back to them and say, no, 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 that ain't this job. This is not here. A, if A happens, then B, you do B. Um, this is, you need to be a better thinker these days. I don't, I don't need trigger pressers. I don't need gorillas on the mats. I need thinkers. And that means starting right now with your butt in this briefing seat, you need to be thinking about what could happen tonight, what might happen tonight, where are your confidences and your competencies. 
how can I improve those for you? You have to evaluate them honestly. Um, I'm going to set you up for success. I'm going to, I'm going to deliver the best training curriculum through fantastic trainers that we can. I'm going to acknowledge the two sides of change, right? You, you either change by desperation or you change by inspiration. Those are the only two ways. Desperation means you had to inspiration means you want to. Well, sister and brother, the legislators said thou shalt, because here's an awesomely written uh, law, right? And you're like, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. I don't even get that, that you didn't define anything. Well, now I'm going to create a little inspiration. How do I work within that? And it's constantly evolving, man, to, to pretend like you could go into a briefing today and just say, all right, folks, go out and be safe there. And the Hill Street Blues is playing in the background, which no one even knows anymore. <laughs> um, that's a joke. You can't do that. They need more guidance. I'm speaking to my leaders right now. They need more guidance, more here's my thought, more here's where we're going to back you more encouragement for them to slow down a bit wherever possible and think through things. Um, that is hardcore leadership to stand up these days and say, perhaps I don't have the exact answer, but we're going to forge forward together and I'm going to support you in it. Right. Yeah. Long yeah. answer to your short question. You no, know, I, I love, I love your answer. The fact that I did Academy this week and I was literally standing in the Academy on Monday and Tuesday and like looking at these people going, what are you doing here? Like you couldn't be a barista. I mean, like what? You couldn't buy anything else, or what the hell are you doing? Like why? You know? I mean, I'm happy they're there. I'm very happy they're there, and I want to support them. But it's almost like you know, it's throwing throwing your children into the wolves, and and you yep. can't protect them. It's 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 time for them to go out there and and forge. And you're like, well, I still want to wrap you in bubble. <laughs> yeah, this isn't a job for faint of heart, and I ever was. And you're right to your point, um, sister, you have selected a job that means you will make choices and do them. Uh, and that, that, what we call it analysis paralysis, Occam's razor, whatever you want, you know, you have choices to pick from and you need to pick one and do it. And you need to prepare to make the choices, enact them as best you can and understand and accept that if you are paralyzed by fear, then sister, go to the other side of the room that says go leave right and i'll love you for it but preparing to make that choice and also this is so key acknowledge that the fear is out there law enforcement leaders listen to me acknowledge that some of your cops are are paralyzed by fear and then ask why you can't say hey dude it's your fault make a choice what's the culture and environment within the agency are you creating or contributing to some of that fear are you failing to provide them some answers where you can i mean this is not just a blame culture right you should have and could have uh, why is the fear there? How can we address it? You know? All right. So let me ask you, let's, we got to get to the good stuff now. Right. All right. <laughs> ready? Uh, Bring it on. So what would you identify in your long 25 year career as some of the most significant developments in policing over the years? Oh, you like to start with the super specific questions, huh? Yes. Uh, man. Um, you know me by most, now. Come on. <laughs> most significant developments. Um, so I think policing is policing, right? It, it's it's human to human interaction. Hey, stop doing that. Hey, do more of that. And that hasn't and, and probably won't change forever. So I could take the easy low hanging fruit to talk about technology, and yet that's just that's too easy, right? It just continues moving. And unfortunately, technology allows some coppers still great people, but to, um, 
to rely on that a little too much, right? And their and their skill set, their human skill set starts to erode. So I'm gonna say that I think the the best advancement movement change is are both training related. One of them is understanding and recognizing the importance of putting our people under stressful conditions when the only thing at stake is their pride. Um, and while way back in the day, you might've been in an academy and someone put you in a, a boxing helmet, punched you in the face and said, now you know how to take a, a punch and don't, you know, don't get hit again. That was a bunch of BS. It, it, it did not do what people thought it did. We're learning how to actually engage coppers, uh, brand new ones and experienced ones in more stressful events. And then, and then pushing and evaluating their decision-making and then learning how to break it apart and reverse engineer it, right? Why did you do what you did? What you did do worked. Why did it work? And I, I have seen that change. You know, Ken Murray could talk about um, Ken Murray and his discussions and his scenarios and everything way back in the day, but it's moved forward a lot. And tiny agencies, big agencies have cut, gotten so much better at helping critical, stressful decision-making happen in training. So that's a... That's huge, absolutely huge. And when I give that credit, I'm also giving a challenge. We're nowhere near where we need to be. We need to go so that's much farther. I mean, we saw that in the Kim Potter trial. Yeah. That, that's, you know, that's, I, I, I've been very frank and I will be when I see you next month. And that is, you know, like it or not, that's a training failure on us. And I agree with what you're saying in the aspect of, you know, for so long, we didn't recognize the generational challenges and that not everybody's the same. And I watched yeah. the industry continue to try to put the square peg in the round hole where when people like me and you are saying, you know, it's time to step back and say, it's not a square hole, it's round. And so yeah. how do we, what is this group need that maybe the group before it didn't need? Like maybe the, our group didn't need as much stress related training because we came more from the military and were more in stressful environments. Well, like you said, the copper who's in their parents' basement right now, the only stress they have is call of duty failing, you know? So, right. the, so uh, the internet goes out and their phone shuts off. I mean, the challenge is we got to give them those stressful situations. I agree with you. Yeah. It's like, um, right. Modular backstraps. I mean, if you remember when those came out, <laughs> legacy fire instructors lost their damn minds. You know, here's the gun I gave you. I don't care if your hand is small, fit it, right? You got to be kidding me, right? The, if the goal of a handgun in that high critical event, stressful event is to be able to use it effectively, then get the gun to fit the hand a little better, right? I mean, and we've, we've understood that and accepted that now. Oh, that makes sense, right? So the same is true. And probably now we're speaking of the old cats like you and I, especially those in leadership or in, um, designing and training. The people coming into the job are just different. They, they look at the, the world a little bit differently. I remember what it was like a couple of years ago. Policing was like a couple of years ago. So I'm bothered and upset the way the environment is now. But the new kid coming in today, he just refers to this as today. He, right. he doesn't, he's not sad about the way it was because he never worked under that. Right. So you and I, the trainers, the legacy trainers, the admins need to accept who are we getting into our, not getting, who are we selecting? into our organizations, accept that they are a, probably a different learner. They look at the world a little bit differently. Their communication style minimally has been by emojis and texts and 
internets and F books and Instagrams, this, you cannot like it, but it is the way it is. And so accept it. And how do they learn how, what, what makes them stressed, find ways to successfully build them through that. Cause the only goal of bringing someone on your department is to help them be a successful servant to your citizens and within the walls of your agency. And so whether or not they learn the same way you did does not matter. Right. Work with it and find a way because if not, you are literally intentionally setting them and your citizens up for failure, which is unacceptable. And, and I think that's a key opportunity here for me to transition to. And that is, you know, I, I know you as a person and I know you as a leader and we're not all, we're not good at accepting compliments, but you're a good one. And, and the key is I want, I want to give you an opportunity that there might be people listening to this podcast that aren't un, that aren't under good leadership, right? That aren't under people like you who really care about their future. And so what recommendations would you have for them as they're kind of like walking down that, that path, not knowing whether the board is in front of them or not and how to handle it? What would you, if a young one came up to you and said, Hey, commander, you know, what do I do? What's your recommendation? How do I survive this this gig? Oh boy. Okay. First thing, I'm going to go in reverse order. First thing is I would say you have to get the word survive out of your mind, right? Christopher Reeves survived uh, for a while, but he moved around by blowing and sucking on a straw. That ain't the way I want to live, right? In a different context, but if you choose to be in this job, you cannot, should not have the victim mentality. You're not a victim. Because again, you could leave today and go make probably 10 times of the money out in the public sector or the, the private sector. So you have to get the word survive out of your head. This is not survival career-wise, right? You survive an encounter. The word has to be success. So, so, you know, Liam, how do I be successful in the, in the job? And the first thing I tell uh, my new leaders is be thankful and outwardly thankful to anyone wanting to get into this job, whether you actually hire them or not, it's a different deal. But be thankful. My newest kid came on the job. The kid's still levitating around the department. His feet don't even touch the ground. His grin <laughs> on his face. I remember He's those days. So, That's awesome. Oh, yeah. It, it is awesome. And, you know, the, the ratchety cops are like, oh, wipe the smirk off that dumb kid's face. He'll learn. Well, let the world do that to him over time. Don't beat it out of him now because I appreciate that level of energy. This young officer made a conscious decision in current times to say, I still want to serve. I still want to wear a shield. I'm still going to be proud. And so every time I see all of my officers for that matter, I tell them, thank you. Thank you for doing what you're doing and for choosing it. And it, it all starts from there, right? So how do I be successful? Well, first of all, you made the choice, brother, sister. Thank you for that. You are a glorious human being for deciding to do this job now and in the future, right? Uh, number two, you have to have that success mentality. You cannot allow yourself to have a victim mentality. Um, number three, how, you always have to have that term, stack the deck. I will always stack the deck in my favor. And that is acknowledging my competencies and confidences, where they're at, being honest about it, seeking ways to improve those things, um, finding my own ways and acknowledging the department, no matter how awesome they are, is never going to give you enough of those opportunities. They just can't. They don't have the money or the time. Um, and in acknowledging that the foundation of our societies will always, always be changing 
and find something that is unchangeable. And this is going to seem like a super sidestep, but for me, it's faith, right? My faith never changes ever. It's always rock solid. I don't care what your thing is. You have to have something that doesn't change with today's court decision, tomorrow's media post, a change in chiefs. It doesn't change because if you don't have a true North, you will find yourself way off course at some point. Yeah. And, and, and I think that true North is, is, is really an important and that actually, it's almost like we set this up because you're like, lead me right to the next question. I love that. And gotcha. So, yeah. That true North for me is a supervision question. You know, one of the things I like to do with commanders and, and police chiefs and executives that I deal with is that, you know, we always want to give advice to the brand new officer, you know, like, you know, how to make it through this. But really the, 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 the people that are going to make the brand new officer uh, or going to help the brand new officer or mentor the brand new officer are the first line supervisors or the middle management of the department. The, the, the most important part of a, of a department is the ones that, that are there every day protecting them and, and guiding them and giving them the mentorship that they lead. So what about your supervisors? What is the, what is the focus you want for them? And what, what do you recommend to a, a, a new supervisor or somebody coming on that realizes the gravity of the job they've just been given? How do they address all of the issues while still maintaining the mentorship of their officers? I think the first question you have to ask, and I do ask them this is, do you understand the gravity of the role you've just taken? Because it ain't just about, you know, I call it hard striped. It ain't just about sewing, you know, three up or three down uh, on an arm, right? It's, it goes way beyond that. And we have a promotion going on in our organization here. And I've told uh, the sergeant about to be uh, moved to command that the, the job you're leaving, being a sergeant, hardest job you'll ever have. Hardest job you'll ever have. And most impactful. No one really remembers the chief, certainly not a commander, uh, but you'll remember your it's not that FTOs. Bad. It's okay. <laughs> I, I love my gig. You want uh, counseling? Do, or... <laughs> no, I've, got, I've got a couch next to me. I'll be on in a few. Um, but you will remember sergeants, good or bad, and you'll remember uh, FTOs, right? And so new sergeant, John or Jane, you are accepting the hardest job and the most impactful job forever. And your job, right? And you talk about this, Eric, quite a bit. Your job is to hold people accountable and celebrate them. The norms and cultures and policies and procedures of the organization, of our state laws and constitutions, celebrating good work. And it's finding that balance of accountability and celebration. And if you can find a way to do those things, we will be successful. We'll come off the tracks here or there. Incidents will still happen. People will be upset. Some people will be happy. Those things will all happen. Just accept it, but hold people accountable and celebrate their successes and do them immediately in the right forums, but do them immediately. You have given up the right to ever pass by a coaching moment or a celebration moment, period. You just like accepting the job as a cop, you gave up the right to be out of shape. You gave up the right to not care. Now you accepted stripes. You gave up the right to pass up coaching moments or celebration moments, period. And I make no qualms about that. I'm not sorry for it. Take the role or leave it, but that's what you've accepted. And it, it really kind of goes back to whether you're that sergeant leader 
or the brand new officer, right? You are either a critic of the organization and the system, you're a bystander within it, or you're an advocate for it. And all three of those require action. Complain and bitch and moan, stand by and watch and do nothing, or move the needle forward. Which one are you going to do? Pick one. You don't get to be all three. Well, I think, Liam, I think you need to write a book as a kid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's the, yeah. Job number 10? I this a little bit because that was phenomenal. So I much appreciate that because I couldn't say it better myself. That's for sure. So let me ask you this as we wrap up. <clears throat> What's the future of law enforcement look for you? Look like for you? I mean, yeah, I'm not going anywhere, and but I'm also don't serve. <laughs> but, uh, but the key is... You're you're at that three day three bad day gig, right? Like you can <laughs> three bad three. days you can go yeah. two. Um, so, two. what do you think? What do you think the future holds for us? And and as you sit back and you look at your your department and your faith and all that's around, um, where do you, where do you think this is going to go? I don't want to sound insincere here, but if you know me, you know me and you know, I mean this, I'm actually super excited. Growth doesn't come in comfortability, right? Growth comes in struggle and we are policing. We're in a massive struggle point right now. And uh, there are people leaving in droves and they're making decisions to go become plumbers and, and executives and this and that. Awesome. Thank you for doing what you did. Go be great where you're going to go. And that's leaving a core group of people who have said, you know what? I, I believe in this. I want to do this. I'm going to stand in this hurricane, uh, wind at the moment. And there are leaders among that group choosing to stay and there are ground pounders. And from that core of just indescribably dedicated people is going to, is we're going to recognize where those, where we're going to, right? And legislators are going to give us some direction and citizens are going to give us some and organizations are going to blaze some. But I'm super excited that even though I'm on the backslide and I'll be calling 911 sooner than responding to it, that there is that new energy. My my brand new officer, his energy is so friggin' infectious, you can't help but smile. And although he's stumbling and, and, and grumbling right now because he's learning, that kid's going to do great things. And he's going to, tomorrow, he's going to touch someone's life and he's going to change it forever. And he'll remember that and he'll move forward. And in 20 years, he'll tell that story like you and I are, and, and he'll be wearing white tennis shoes then. Um <laughs> And there's a leader right now who feels like they're being burned into the ground and they feel like there's no support, but they're still choosing to stand and they're going to learn from it and grow from it. Their officers are watching them go through this. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but it's like a, a kid watching their parent. They're sucking up everything and going, how did she handle that? I like that. I'm going to, I'm going to take and learn from that. And it's just like a forest fire, right? Whoosh, everything gets leveled and burned and then things start to grow back. And uh, so I'm, where do we go from here? I'm super excited at the men and women choosing to stay. God bless them. Thank you. And, and I would say, if you are dedicated in your head and your heart, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward, even a tiny step at a time. Accept the losses. Accept the struggles. Accept that there is a, a group of population out there who you can't convince otherwise. Move on and move forward. It's like trying to argue with your husband or wife when they're drunk. There is no point to that conversation. Give it up and move forward, but move forward with your dedication, right? Be proud of wearing a shield. It's the coolest thing ever to get to I, do that. Oh and I God, tell it, you, just, is, it is. I, I, I'm, I'm very appreciative to hear and you're a very positive person. And, and so am I, 
I'm not, a, I don't like to focus on negative and, and you know, the sad part is I, I feel bad. Like I, we know, we know how great this industry is and we know that we've passed a lot of tests and we know that the 5% of people that are speaking right now are just that. And, and I, and I agree with you there, there is a way forward. It, it's, yeah. This is not our first time going through reform. It won't be our last and it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Accept the challenge, right? Accept it. And the challenge is how do you get better? That's the only thing everyone should agree on. We should always be getting better. And that's a tiny move today. And it's a 500 foot move tomorrow. And it's a step back the day after that, but I'm always striving to get better, right? You put that shield on, you said, I will. I want you to tell your wife that I found your ninth job. You're going to be a life coach. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, uh, I don't have her on the line right here, but I, she works for uh, a phone company. So I'm sure she's listening. <laughs> well, sir, yeah. I appreciate you more than you ever know. I look forward to hanging out with you. Have a cocktail in, in, in Minnesota and, uh, I gotta learn how to say it correctly by the time I get there. Um, but it's a long I'll, old. Be, I'll be a Northern Northeastern guy and say it the way I want to like, right. So I, uh, I thank you for all your time. And with that, I'm going to bring us to a close. Remember, help those who need your help, protect those who need your protection. And most importantly, keep yourself and others safe. Thank you.